0: And the scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1-12. to But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, And as they were were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. One, oh, <laughs> here is what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: Why do you seek the living among the dead is the question that is asked in this particular, in Luke's telling of this resurrection story. And from my point of view, I don't think it's a very fair question to these women because um, basically the answer is they're seeking the living among the dead because last time they checked, Jesus was dead. And in their experience, mostly when a person is dead, they stay dead. So if Jesus was dead on Friday, then yeah, like he's probably gonna be dead still on on Sunday. So so that's why they're seeking Jesus among the dead. And I mean, yes, you could say on paper, well, you know, if you go back to um, X date in Galilee, Jesus told those women he was gonna rise from the dead. But given the events of the previous 48 hours, or even the previous seven days, I don't think these women were in any position to sit down and say to themselves, okay, now hang on a second. Jesus said, yeah, okay, so Jesus did say he was going to get crucified. Jesus did say he was going to die. So I guess he also said he's going to rise. So I'll just wait here. That's not how it works. So why are these women seeking Jesus among the dead? Because last time they checked, he was dead. And yes, when Jesus was alive, he went around raising a couple people from the dead. But if the guy who did the raising from the dead is now dead himself, he's probably not gonna raise himself up. Because that's how the world works. That's how life works, that's how the laws of the universe work. That's everything that these women have known. So, of course, they are seeking Jesus among the dead. Except, except Jesus has, in fact, done. Or God has done, or they both have done the impossible, which as Jesus has been raised from the dead. I personally find Good Friday an easier story to preach than Easter Sunday. Not that it's more enjoyable, it's just more understandable. Because the story of Good Friday is a story that fits within our experience. We know what it is to lose people. We know what it is to moor. We know what it is to be betrayed or to be betray. We know what it is to fail our friends. We know what it is to suffer. So, Good Friday fits within the world as we understand it. But resurrection, resurrection breaks all the rules. If you get a guy who is dead on Friday, standing up and walking out of his own tomb on Sunday, well, what else might happen next? What else might be turned on its head, might be upended? What else is coming? In all four gospel stories, in all four gospel tellings of the resurrection, fear and amazement are present. And this is no wonder. Because as I said, resurrection breaks the rules. It doesn't fit within the world or life as we know it. So not many of us will go from, first of all, not many of us can just physically handle going from dejection and abject grief to delight and joy and good news and celebration. The strain upon our soul and our heart and our mind is just too great. But added to that, if you have this complete reversal of the order of things, if you have God breaking the laws of the universe as you have known them to this point, it's going to cause a little discombobulation. It is going to threaten the world as we know it. So resurrection is maybe good news, but it's also dangerous. It's dangerous because it means other parts of our lives might be unsettled. Other parts of our lives might turn the other impossible things in our lives might turn out to be possible. Other parts of our lives that we thought we had in good order, that we thought we had regulated, they might get mixed up and turned around and stood on their head. So resurrection is not necessarily something we run towards. So no wonder these other 11 disciples didn't believe the women, because who would? Who would? I mean, Simon Peter then goes to the tomb, sees the grave clocks, and goes home wondering what had happened. He doesn't go to the grave and say, Oh my goodness, Jesus is gone, hallelujah, he's risen. He he wonders what has happened because this is so unsettling and discombobulating and unexpected. So the story of the resurrection is not a safe one. It might seem safe if we can keep it uh, locked within the Bible, you know, neatly printed black on white. It might seem safe if we can um, bind it to 2,000 years ago in Palestine, like one of our hymns said. If resurrection is a story that happened then but not now, okay, well, that, that's, that's lovely. Lovely, lovely, that's very nice, great, let's go have some uh, cross-publishing. Sure. But what if resurrection is here for you and I here today? What if resurrection is not something that is over? One of my um, professors at BST said that if he could teach his students only one thing, it would be this. That we would speak of Jesus always in the present tense. Not Jesus did or Jesus has, but Jesus does. Jesus is. And that's the promise of this story. That resurrection is not over. That resurrection is here for you and I here today to upend and disrupt and discombobulate our own lives. And so at this point, I want to turn this story over to you. I want us to take a minute um, to reflect and ask ourselves first, what's the good Friday in our lives right now? What's the, the thing that is, that, is, that is dead or that is lost or what is the heartbreak present? Whether it is a, a broken relationship, a family member estranged, whether it is um, somebody who died before we could reconcile with them, um, whether it is the words we always wanted to hear and never did hear. What is it in our lives that is a place of pain or a wound or that we think is dead and buried and there is no hope for it anymore? So let's just take a minute in in silence to ponder that. What is the Good Friday in our own? And then the question that follows, what would it take for us to trust this resurrection story? What would it take for us to trust that that which we believe to be dead and buried, gone for good, without hope, without possibility, without life, what would it take for us to trust that though we may not see the way It is that it is possible that God may resurrect that which we believe to be dead, gone, buried, final, that's it. What would it feel like? What would it be like? What would it take to risk the trust that the Good Fridays of our lives may yet become an Easter Sunday? Let's take a moment to ponder that. When Jesus rose, is rising, he ate fish with his friends on the shores of the sea. He fed them. And so my friends, the promise of this story is that you and I are being fed, will be fed, have been fed by the one whom we call the Christ. That the, re- that the resurrection is coming for you and I. So friends, look out, buckle up, Because God is not done with you, with me, with this church, with the people of God. And so resurrection in all its glory and its danger, in all its unexpectedness and its surprise, is here, is now, is already, and is still coming. Thanks be to God.